Hello and welcome to another episode of Apt Untold, where we explore some of the stories behind the people you work with. Today's guest is Luana Sanders. In our conversation, we talk about how she moved to the US for 17 years to chase love. We talk about her brushes with fame in LA and in Australia, and her current work with the ANFPP program with Apt. Please enjoy my conversation with Luana Sanders. My name's Luana Sanders. I am the um, Family Partnership Worker Educator uh, for the Workforce Development Program in ANFPP and I also have a dual role as Program Cultural Advisor for ANFPP. And uh, you said, we were just talking um, before before we started recording about how you're a, a local, you're, you're born yeah, and raised in Milton, yeah, is that right? Yeah, um, so my family, um, live in Milton and I was when I was first born I went straight to um, a place that we lived in um, they used to call it Rain Street it's not there anymore so where the Milton Bury is Mm -hmm. um, if you look behind there's a massive car park that used to be a street there so um, that was my home Rain Street which is no longer there. Has it changed a lot the area since? uh... Oh yeah definitely because you know Milton was mainly working class people and there still are a few mm-hmm. around, but now it, because it's close to the city and then... All these high-rises popping up. High-rises, yeah. yeah. So um, it's changed a lot, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But now um, we then moved from Rain Street to another street behind the Bureau. My mum bought a house there in Finchley Street. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, she actually rented that. Then we bought a house in Usa Terrace. So we've been there, and I'll be... I'm 49, so, yeah, I've been in the area close to 50 years now. Wow. But not all, not the whole time in Milton, because you said that... Oh, well, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, I I lived in this, well, I lived in Canberra uh, for a little bit, did a little stint down there for a couple of years. Was that, um, how, how old were you then? Oh, gosh, you're going back a few yeah. years. Um, around about 23, 24, I moved to Canberra. Was so it, was worked, that for work? Or? Yeah, um, I worked for um, the general manager for Aboriginal Hostels, which was the main office there. And um, so I stayed there for two years and then came back to Brisbane. Um, and then from Brisbane, I was about 26, I moved to the United States. And what brought you to the United States? Um, you know, I kind of went on a holiday, but really met up with my pen pal. Um, so I went over there and met up with him, came back home, sold up everything, the little things that I did have, mm-hmm. and I moved back, I moved to the United States, and Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. So can you tell us about uh, your time in LA? Yeah. Um, so I stayed there for about 17 years, and I always tell people I went over there on a holiday, came back, uh, divorced with three children, and happily divorced, I always add that. But yeah, I went over there, um, I met with him, we got married, um, and I actually loved living in Los Angeles, and we actually lived um, in a place where they tell you not to go, um, and that's called Watts, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the Watts riots, the yeah. 1950s, it's a pretty big deal over there, but um, I felt very comfortable, because, you know, it was like a um, reverse culture shock, in that... Here in Australia, the white, the, the white people are the majority. The black people are the minority. 
in that part of America, the black people were the majority. Mm -hmm. Blacks and Mexicans, blacks and browns. So um, it was really different, you know, from what I'm sure. Where did, how did people treat you when they first met you? Because did they think you're Australian? People, or? No. Yeah. You know, we've got so many stupid comments like, <laughs> how far does it take to drive to Australia? What freeway do you take? <laughs> Do they sell ice cream in Australia? I mean, just really weigh out stupid Didn't comments. Do you have a kangaroo to work? Or yeah, exactly. Stuff. You know, do you have a pet kangaroo mm -hmm. and all that crazy stuff? Um, I think that um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Okay, so tell us, um, tell me about the, the community. Um, yeah, the, the place where you're living. Oh, you did ask me what did people think of me? Um, yeah. Like, and I was going on to say, you know, being now. As a black person, I'm very proud of who I am. Um, but most people thought I was Mexican, mm -hmm. and so I'd always get would people you know, speak Spanish Hola, to you? Como esta, blah blah blah. Yeah, um, yeah they did. Uh, I should have learnt the language. I know a couple <laughs> of words, Piquita Espanol. Um, but um, no, I'd, I'd always say no. I'm Australian, and even the black people in America, you're not black because you don't sound black. You know, mm -hmm. you're from England. I'm like, no, I'm a black Australian. So then I'd have to go into the history mm -hmm. of Aboriginal Australia. So at the same time, you know, people, I had to educate them, mm -hmm. you know. And you said um, that you were, well, there was some, it wasn't like the nicest neighbourhood. And right. you said that there was, you know, we hear a lot of the, uh, this is before we started um, recording, you said that, that you heard a, uh, we we always hear about the bad stories um, from yeah. these sort of neighbourhoods, but your experience was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, exactly. And like I said earlier, I lived in an area that they told you not to go to. So it's Watts, Compton, um, Inglewood. Mm -hmm. And I felt very comfortable. Um, the sense of community was just amazing. You know, I would, you know, got on well with all my neighbours. And, you know, in my street, in my neighbourhood, I could drive all week and not see a white person. And it's really different to me. But, and whether it was white or black, people always had your back, you know. So if I would go to work one day, I'd have a neighbour call up and say, hey, such and such came knocking on your door. They did this, this, this. You know, so they were always looking out for me. I wouldn't get that here in Australia. Oh, you, you, maybe you could. Mm -hmm. But I just felt very comfortable there. Um, um, and then, like I said earlier, there was a lot of bad, but... You know, I think the media portray always, most of the time, negative mm -hmm. and not the positive stories. Do you have any stories in particular that you'd like to share from your time there? Uh, you know, there's a couple. Um, there was one situation where I used to go to the local park and do my little workout, get my, get my um, gym on. <laughs> and um, I was there one day and my daughter, who was about two years old at the time, I turned around and she was gone. And I, I walked outside and this is a, if you could imagine, it's a gym and outside you've got a massive park, people doing gridiron training, cheerleading, golf, the whole work, swimming pool. It was just tons of people. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, you know, I broke down. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was looking around and around. Next minute, this guy who was a well-known gang member, rolling 60s Crips, came walking with my daughter. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, what's going on? He says, oh no, ma'am, I know that my little brother goes to school with your sons and I know this little girl, I've seen he's in the neighbourhood, I saw she was lost, so I'm come looking for you to bring her to you. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, so 
think about gang members. We think about gang members as being bad. Mm. You know, they're a community of people, a family that stick together and look out for each other in their, in their neighbourhood. They may do a bit of bad stuff, but you have to understand, black people in America, they, they have, some of them have, in, in, in um, low-income areas, have little or no education. They do and make their money the best way they can. And I'm not saying it's right or mm -hmm. wrong, but sometimes they've just got to do to feed, to put the food on the table, you know. So in saying that, yeah, there's, there's some good there. Mm -hmm. So how did you, so you came back to Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and when did you move back, did you say? I moved back in 2010, so I've been back um, six years six now. Six years, okay. Yeah. So what, how did you get involved in APT? What's the story behind you? Uh, the company. Um, you know, um, I have a very strong admin background and um, I was, you know, as soon as I came back, I found it quite difficult to find a job. I had worked at a, a stint with um, a, an oil company and, you know, a gas company actually. And um, they went through a lot of redundancy. So at that time I was in search and then I just happened to come across an advert online for... Um, um, ANFPP mm -hmm. and you know my passion is because I am indigenous um, my passion is um, you know helping Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people so and that 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 little note that was on that advert really draw my attention I never knew anything about APT had no idea um, what APT was so I applied and um, had a couple of interviews and now I'm here two years later two years yeah and uh, how's ANFPP going Oh, it's it's full on. Um, you know, as as one of the trainers. Um, and and just for um, the people who aren't completely familiar with sure. the program, what, what it we, is? Yeah, what is it? So ANFPP stands for the Australian Nurse Family Partnership Program. So this program um, under APT delivers a, basically a home visiting service to mothers of Indigenous children from the time. The mum's about 16 weeks pregnant till the child turns two years of age. It's quite an intensive home visiting program where we have um, here at the National Support Centre, so my role is to train basically staff that work in our implementing sites. Currently there's five. Um, we train those staff to, uh, on the different fidelity and theories that we have and guidelines for visiting those clients. Yeah, so um, basically, um, I deliver the training to mm -hmm. those to those staff. So lately, it's it's been a bit quiet. We haven't had training in the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks. We did have um, some people come down from the Northern Territory. Well, actually, yes. Um, we we newly have a new site, and it's a different model. It's like a hub and spoke. Um, so we have our main um, top-end health service in Darwin and we have four remote communities that we will be delivering to and those communities in the Northern Territory are Maningrida, uh, Ware, uh, Gumbalanya and um, Warramiyanga which is on the Tiwi Islands. So we recently did early October have some of the strong women workers and the strong women coordinators that came down for the Unit 2 training. Um, uh, it was fantastic, you know. We did. A, we know that working with um, remote communities where 
with these strong women workers, English may be their sixth or seventh language. So we have sixth or seventh. Sixth or seventh language. It's amazing. Um, and just so yeah. Forgive my ignorance, but with the other languages that they speak, are they are they dialects or are they completely separate languages? I believe they're actually separate languages within their own mm. groups. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, I know. I can't. I'm still trying to get English yeah. down. <laughs> I can only speak English. So. Yeah. <laughs> so um, having those women come down, we knew that we had, we know that working with women as English as a third, fourth, fifth, sixth language, that we have to really adapt the way that we deliver our training. And, um, you know, it's we're still learning um, because... Previously, our implementing sites, currently we have um, one here in Brisbane, Urban, um, Woochopper in Cairns, Urban, um, Wax in Wellington slash Dubbo, Urban, and um, Alice Springs Congress. Well, it's kind of remote urban, but we've never had to deliver directly to the remote communities before. So, you know, it's it's a big challenge. Big challenge, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me about what it was like coming back to Australia from the US and you know, I'm sure yeah. it was a bit of a culture shock. Um, oh, definitely. So it's going back from no longer being the majority mm-hmm. back to the minority. And, um, you know, and did you sound American? Because you, you've got you've got a pretty strong Australian accent. You yeah, sound well, Australian. well, yeah. And one good thing about being in LA and that kept me going because it's... You, for an Aboriginal person to leave their country, it's a big deal. Um, going to LA, I would, you know, be on Australians Abroad websites it's before mm-hmm. Facebook got really big. And I actually connected with some um, Aboriginal people that lived in the close area. So we would, they were our family, you know. And so talking every day, every second day, I think our Did they live nearby? Built, yeah, so my best friend um, now lives, well, she lives in San Diego. Okay. So it was like a fan. We, we we never met before in our life, but we talked on the phone for oh, like really? one or two hours, and we became best friends ever since. And have you ever met face to face? Oh yes, oh, yeah, you did. Yes, okay. she was only so we would do weekend trips. Uh-huh. You know, I could drive to San Diego blindfolded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could drive to LA blindfolded. That's how much you know we hung out together. But having those connections there, um, and I think that's probably what kept our accents really strong, mm-hmm. um, even though you know everyone else you know, accents American, yeah. but... Um... So are there any uh, stories or things that have happened to you that you'd like to share? Oh, I mean, I can, I can mention my little, one little claim to fame. Um, last year, myself and my cousins went on Family Feud here in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, and um, oh, it was, you were treated like, like movie stars, and it, it was just such a wonderful experience. Um, we went for our auditions here in April and got called up in June. Hey, you're coming down in next month. So, so what, what was that like? How long did that last? Oh my God, it was just amazing. We went down on and, and just, a Tuesday. Family, uh, so for... Family Feud is um, a TV um, family... Um, um, Reality TV. TV sort. show. So it's, um, you know, where you've got to finish... Oh God, what do you do? You finish off the words, you give words, no, they give you phrases mm-hmm. and then you have to guess a word like, um, what do you do when you go to the beach? 
some would say surf, some would say sunbake. Mm-hmm. So you just have to, um, you know, they... I guess what the, your family members top an- The top answers are. Mm-hmm. And the ones that get, obviously, the 200 or 300 points go win and go on to do the fast money at the end. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we went in July last year. We went down for the day and, um, you know, we were told to bring five outfits. We were picked up in a limousine and we were whisked from Melbourne to the stu- Melbourne airport to the studio, checked in with the wardrobe consultant, um, checked our wardrobe, went through, did our rehearsals, makeup, mm-hmm. went to the green room and you only ever heard of, hear of people, like the, you know, big movie stars and that go to the green room. Um, and we did our rehearsals, won, then went into our actual show, won that round. So you won the rehearsals, but it was... Oh, no, so rehearsal was just rehearsal, yeah. then we go into the real thing. Okay. Um, so the first round we won, went to Fast Money, unfortunately we didn't win anything there. So we go to the next night, won again, went to the Fast Money, won our 10,000, oh, come great. back that the third night. Oh, it's amazing. So, I mean, there's video of it. The night that we won our fast money, um, the compare, um, I can't even think of his name. But anyway, he's he's really cool. Um, now I'm trying to think of his name. But anyway, um, we jumped all over him and we like smothered him. <laughs> and like, it was just uh, so I'd funny. I'd that video. <laughs> I know, sure people have been like asking me about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we probably came away, we stayed there that night and came back the next day, probably came away with four of us, about three grand each. It was aired in September last year. And lots of good memories. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, how exciting. Grant Denya, that's his name. No, the, he um, came to me. the, the show guy. The no. compere, yeah. Uh-huh. I wanted to talk about where I worked in LA. Yeah, please. So... Um, Tell us about where you worked so when in I, LA. You know, people always say there's no jobs, there's no jobs. So I went and tempt, did temp work as an admin. I would catch the bus from um, um, in the Los Angeles all the way to Santa Monica and it would take me like two or three hours and then after a while I'd build up my money. Because the public transport system's like terrible there. Well, it's all right, but it's the people that get on the transport that you've got to be careful of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I did that and I ended up, I worked at many different places, and one place that I used to work at, the VA hospital, and I worked under a... Veterans um, Affairs. Veterans Affairs yeah. Hospital in West LA. Um, I worked under this social worker, and he was just a lovely person, and his name was Stephen Peck. And he said, you might know my dad. And I'm like, Who sh- how would I know your dad? Oh, he's the actor, Gregory Peck. And I'm like, oh my God, so can I come over for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, he was just lovely. And so I had my little brushes with fame. Um, Another place that I last worked out was um, I was a shop operations coordinator um, at a company called Seas Candies. And it's a family-owned business that was um, started in Pasadena. They now have shops all over, basically, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and now pretty much all over carts in the US. so I worked in their corporate office. Um, I was driving to work one day and I was kind of a bit slow off the mark when the red light turned green. And then this big hum was like, beep, beep. And looking around, oh, it's just Ashton Kushner and Demi Moore. I'm like, oh, okay, guys, I'll just move along. I mean, those, wow. all those little things. You got beeped at by Ashton Kushner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they were together. And then um, 
There was another time, there was one little Indian store that I used to go in Santa Monica get samosas. And um, this guy kind of brushed past me and kind of bumped me, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. And the lady goes, you don't know who that was? I said, no, I didn't even reckon. Who was it? Oh, just John Travolta. I'm like, oh, God. So, you know, you have your little brushes of fame. You're like, ah, oh, I wish I would have got his picture or autograph. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, one time I was walking through a mall and I saw Will I Am. I yelled out to him. He came, talked for me for like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, he's just amazing. He's like, what are you doing in this neighborhood? You're from Australia. I said, what are you doing in this neighborhood? He said, this is my hood. Why are you here? Get back to Australia. And I'm like, no, no, it's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, so little things like that. And there's many, many more. I could probably talk for the yeah, next hour, yeah. but I won't. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure many people will, uh, will want to hear them. Yeah. yeah so so um, Seize Candies. Seize Candy. Seize Candies is like an institution in um, Los Angeles. It's like they think of a, a candy store with all this candy displayed there's like 110 pieces so we had i worked in a corporate office so we had shops all around so we would basically be like their support center um do everything from pay advertising shipping deliveries oh and, and that that, is, that was the worst thing you could eat whatever you want because oh, behind no. us was the factory so whatever candy you want you could eat it and I went to the dentist after a year and I had, believe it or not, I don't know how I had any teeth left in my head, mouth. Mm -hmm. I had like 13 cavities. Oh, it's it. not something you could, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know you love your chocolate, so you would have loved <laughs> it. Um, but it was a great, great experience. I even have a little cameo clip on the Ellen show for when she came. So oh, really? I should show you that one day. Oh. Yeah. Look at you. You've been, you oh, yeah, I've been around. You've been on TV. Yeah. You're famous. Yeah, try. Well, <laughs> but no, that was a really, really good um, place that I worked at. Mm. But and would you ever move back to the US? Yes. Um, my boss there says, anytime you want to come back, your job is always mm -hmm. open for you. So I figure once my children, my daughter, she's 14 now, once she becomes 18, 19, she can take care of herself. Because I've, I'm also a dual citizen, mm -hmm. so I can actually go back and forth oh, and great. work and I don't know about the reason whether they're going to be in the next four years. So maybe after 2020, if Kanye makes it, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Donald Trump can, can who yeah. can? <coughs> yeah, you can do anything. Hey, true. Alrighty, well, thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thanks again for tuning into the Apps Untold podcast. For those of you listening online, you can subscribe to the podcast through any podcasting app on your smartphone, so you can listen to these stories on the go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and uh, please feel free to get in touch to give me any feedback whatsoever. I'm your host, Sam Barton, and until next time, thank you and goodbye.